0: Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my guys Josh and Caleb. Today, as promised, we are going to jump into our rookie tight ends. We're going to break down where they've landed and if they have any potential impact, if they have the potential to start, or if they're just another draft pick. So, guys, before we do jump on the tight end train this week, a couple things happening with uh, quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers apparently is working a deal that will at least get him in Green Bay this season. Uh, maybe not after this season. Josh, what kind of details do we have on Aaron Rodgers' contract situation?
1: Yep, they're offering him things that will get them agreement to be on the team for one more year, but it gives him free opportunity to be off of the team next year. That's one of the key
0: parts of this. So, in other words, he had multiple years coming, I think, and now they're basically conceding that he wants to be out of there.
1: Yep, so the last dance picture that he posted with Devontae Adams famously a couple nights ago is what he's planning to do one year.
0: And now, is, is Adams also at the end of his contract? Because he has said in the news recently that don't plan on signing me long-term type thing. Is he, what? what's going on there? Yeah, this is last year
2: under contract, the coming up season. Um, he was supposed to get a big deal with them, but now with the Aaron Rodgers situation, it's kind of dicey, so we don't really know. He, it looks like he's not going to re-sign with them.
1: Right. Yeah, and it seems like it's not about the money for either one of them. Aaron Rodgers was rumored to have been sent the largest offer for any player, period. Right. Over the next couple of years, as well as Devonte Adams for the wide receiver position. So obviously, it's not about the money.
0: So Adams really just wants to either play with Aaron Rodgers or play for Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. In other words, no Aaron Rodgers, no Green Bay contract. Yeah, I, think,
1: that... I think it's hard for Adams to want to stay when he saw what it was like without Aaron Rodgers yeah. that
0: one year. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. It's uh, like we've said before. We've talked about how people like um, like LeBron James can dictate, you know, their their money, their people, all these things as well. So I do think that it's interesting that uh, Aaron Rodgers is actually dictating a wee bit. Okay, another quarterback that uh, we all thought would do what he had to do to get through this contract year, short of playing, uh, is Watson in Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Texans, gosh, um, in Houston. So what is the update there? It appears that he is going to report to camp.
2: Yeah, I think he reported to camp because they were threatening, or they were going to take some of his money away from him. I believe it's like $50,000 a day. He didn't show up. Right. That's not a good move to not show up. So I think he's showing up to keep that money in his pocket. Sure, um, he still wants out, according to him and the sources that they're saying.
1: Yeah, and ever since he showed up this or on Sunday, as you said, they've been or they talked about today even that they're willing to trade him for a bunch of high top-tier draft picks. Even
0: so, two two things about that statement: one, they were not willing to trade him before. Is that correct? They, I mean, no one wants to trade their franchise quarterback,
1: but I think they knew that this was coming by picking up so many quarterbacks as well as drafting Davis Mills early.
0: Okay, and then the second part of that is, this is complicated because the NFL. I keep referencing Antonio Brown because of of late he was a guy who kind of got tricked in in that they didn't take action until once he was actually you know playing that type of thing. So far, no legal Eagle stuff going on with the NFL. They're completely out of this from that perspective.
1: Yeah, he's not on the exemption list, like the commissioner's exemption list, which means he's able to do football things, able to do as much as any other player. So
2: the law is not holding him back in this scenario as of now. Yeah, accusations, they're waiting for something with the law to happen before they do anything because accusations are just words at this point. Sure. Yeah, and something to add on to the Antonio Brown thing is that he actually had – those
1: prior accusations for years. So they were already settled before then. So this is brand new for Deshaun Watson as of the last couple months. So we'll see what happens. But I think as of now, it looks like he's going to be in the football area. He's not going to be getting held back by – Sure. Other things that are happening.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting. That now that they are at least willing to, to make a deal, I just wonder if they're going to jack the price up so high that they're not actually able to get a deal done.
2: Yeah, I think they said they want three first, a couple seconds, and some veterans, which is yeah. really steep. I mean, it's always shoot for
1: the highest offer yeah. to begin. But I think they might, as we saw for what it was to get Trey Lance, maybe mm-hmm. just a couple of first-round picks and sure. a veteran. Maybe maybe even the Falcons. He's I think he's a Falcons fan, actually. been photographed with a bunch of Falcon stuff on. So maybe Matt Ryan, a couple first-rounders, something
0: like that. Something could go down is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere from Denver to the Panthers to, I mean, anywhere as of now who needs a quarterback and is struggling. Got it.
0: All right, let's go into the section that we promised, rookie tight ends. It was no surprise this year in the draft that Kyle Pitts, the Florida standout tight end, would be... A high draft pick, and he was. He was in the first round with the fourth pick overall by the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of speculation as to whether or not they went with the quarterback or if they took other positions, and they did, in fact, take Kyle Pitts. So let's jump right into Kyle Pitts and talk about his impact with his new team, the Atlanta Falcons.
2: I think it was a great pick for them. I think Kyle Pitts was the consensus tight end one across all boards this offseason. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really interesting the Falcons to get him though. I think it's a good spot for them, especially losing Julio Jones. They need a right. really they need a big X receiver in that and I think he's gonna be playing more of a hybrid role going there because right. he is that fast wide receiver type tight end.
0: So that lends to my first question. Many of us believe with the new with you know with Kelsey and several other, you know, wide receiver type tight ends, obviously he's a viable option. Is he probably gonna get more snaps as a wide receiver? Because famously he's not a reliable blocker, we understand. He played more of a wide receiver type, even though he's was out of position in college. Yeah, last year we saw in the
2: new Florida offense, they, the whole offense kind of broke out with Kyle Trask. They did line him up on the outside as right, a receiver right. a lot. I think we'll see a lot of that right now because they only really have Calvin Ridley and a couple prospects. I know Russell Gage and Olamide Zaccheaus are coming out. Right. Last year we saw them kind of poke out a little bit and start getting more playing time. But I think reliability, I think it's Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts is immediately going to be thrown yeah, into that role. I agree. Yeah, And as you said, he's not he's not the greatest blocker. He's, he's definitely
1: good enough. Like, you're not going to be drafted and be a terrible blocker. They're sure, definitely going to sure. coach that up regardless of what state you're in. But he's going to be drafted as a receiving tight end. That's what he did in college. I believe he had 770 yards last year, over 18 yards per catch, wow. and 12 touchdowns in just eight games. So he's very productive. And you draft very. a player like this, as you started out by saying, like a Travis Kelsey, like a Kittle, like a Waller, because he's one of those type of players. You draft him for
0: that type of potential. You're not drafting him to block. You're drafting him to be a playmaker.
1: You certainly need him to block on many occasions, but he's going to be one of those comparable players that we've been talking about as a prospect.
0: Yeah, it's exciting for me, at least, because, as you said, they've dealt away some talent over the last couple of years, and with Calvin Ridley, that should be the one-two punch for sure. Fantasy owners, without a doubt, are going to look to those two guys first.
1: Yeah, and you started saying Julio Jones is no longer on this team, which leaves over 160 targets per year open Mm -hmm. on this offense. This is already one of the highest-passing offenses in the league with Matt Ryan. Right. And then you bring in head coach Arthur Smith, and you look what he did. He was an assistant tight end coach and a tight end coach prior to being a – Good call. – prior to being an offense coordinator for the Titans. So what he did as a tight end coach for the Titans from 2014 to 2017, at least with Delaney Walker, Mm -hmm. as we saw. If you're going to compare Kyle Pitts to Travis Kelsey and guys like that, let's look at players like Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker in those years had 106 targets – 133 133 targets, Mm -hmm. 102 targets, and 111 targets and over 800 yards per year. So he's very productive, and he has the same head coach as Delaney Walker.
2: Yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out with that rapport that Josh just named all those numbers for. I think he will get a ton of targets, but I'm interested to see if he will get that number one coverage by corners because he is a hybrid player, and I think they're going to have to line him outside a lot.
0: Yeah, we talk about this a lot. The, you know what we call the Juju effect, where Juju was all world when Antonio was getting the number one attention on the team, but suddenly Juju gets number one attention and he's not quite the same. What is your guess, uh, Josh? Caleb mentioned what his thoughts. Who's going to be the Who's going to get number one attention from defenders on the Falcons this year?
1: Yeah, you. I think we'll uh, for this year, as you said, likely you'll see Calvin Ridley. We saw him play by himself or without a number two big option like Kyle Pitts or Julio Jones sure. last year, and he was the number one option playing its number one cornerbacks. Famously played against, I believe, Jair Alexander one-on-one, and he didn't do so well, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be well as the number one.
0: Right, and as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, if you guys have missed those shows, go back and look at wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks. We did those in the last three weeks. We also tell you if they're going to start. And interestingly, well, not interestingly, um, This was we knew this was going to be the case. Kyle Pitts is clearly the number one tight end. And as you guys have said, is a number one or two weapon for the Atlanta Falcons right out of the gate. So, all right. Well, let's move on down the road. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers rounded up a Penn State tight end in the second round, the 55th pick overall. Pat Friermuth. Pat is a Penn State standout. Guys, let's talk about his impact on the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: I really like him a lot. Um, Tight end is definitely a position that the Steelers have been struggling with, especially as an offensive weapon. They've had some good blockers like Jesse James and famously Heath Miller way a couple years back. But, I mean, they had some struggles with him last year. with Eric LeBron, a lot of drops, a lot of inconsistencies. I think Pat Frymuth in college especially was a dominant tight end. He's a big body, and he reminds me a lot of Gronkowski. Not saying he is Gronkowski, but he plays like him, and he's massive.
1: Okay. Yeah, and... For tight end or for touchdown wise, as you look at other Penn State tight ends, you see Mike Geseki, high prospect, came out a couple of years ago playing for the Dolphins. Now, he had 15 touchdowns over four seasons, and Pat Fryermuth in the two full seasons that he played, excluding the COVID season, right. he had 15 in two seasons. He's a reliable end zone target. He scores a ton of touchdowns. He's super aggressive, and I think getting Eric O'Brian, as you said last year, they were going after some red zone targets and touchdowns in that area of the field, as Erica Brown was one of the highest touchdown scorers with the Colts just a couple of years ago. And Eric Abron last year had 91 targets, and Heath Miller over his career with the Steelers had 75 targets. So they're willing to throw it to the yeah. tight end position.
0: They definitely love, I've always said that I love the Madden version of this offense because it's the most diverse, uh, I think, playbook, and it it's clearly shows with stats like that.
1: And I think the biggest key for this offense now is balancing it. Because you look at last year, as we talked about multiple times, the running attack was not there, one of the lowest in, right. the, in the NFL. And then you have, a, you have three big receivers, three very good receivers, so you're not going to get exploited by taking away one receiver. You always sure. have other options. Right. So now you're getting solid in the tight end department. You already have a ton of great receivers, great depth behind those three. Now you have two tight ends, as said, and you have a great running game, and you're trying to reestablish that O-line from being old
0: to young. We need to
2: make that a T-shirt. What's solid that? in the tight end department.
0: All right, that's coming, y'all. We got news about that at the end. Remind me, Josh, about that. But, all right, solid in the tight end department. Is that a hashtag? It could, could be. It could be our next shirt. Okay. All right, questions about this. Will Pat be the starting tight end opening day or later in the season?
1: Uh, when you look at the tight ends that they've had, they've had Vance McDonald and Erica Abron on mm-hmm. the field at other times. And they, before they had Vance McDonald and Jesse James on the field. So when you look at how they run two tight ends for – in their scheme, you mean?
0: How they run two tight ends typically in, in their offense?
1: I'm saying that they're not opposed to running two tight ends. Yeah. And when you look at who they've had, they're going to definitely establish that with Pat Fryermuth in the future
2: after this year when Eric Braun is gone. Okay. What do you think, Kale? Same? Yeah, I think Pat Fryermuth will definitely see a lot of time this year. Maybe more as a blocker than not because they do have a ton of receivers this year. Okay. And they're going to have Big Ben try to muster as much... What's left of
0: Big Ben is possible. <laughs> He's going to put it all out there for sure. Okay, now this this leads me to another question, because as I look at this depth chart, you see names like Juju, now Chase Claypool, uh, and Johnson in the slot. We have three guys, and I think as much as we've said, you know, we've criticized Pittsburgh last year for not having a running game, not being able to shake it up, so to speak. But like you said, they clearly have three targets. You take one away, the next guy up is good. You take him away, the next guy up. In other words, you don't know. From a fantasy perspective... Rank these three wide receivers. Who should we be looking for if you're a fantasy guy? Where is the value in these?
2: Yeah, I think PPR, especially, I think Deontay Johnson's the most valuable. He had almost 100 targets last year, and he caught almost 70% of his balls. That's really reliable, especially getting 10 to 12 points a week in PPR. I think standard Chase Claypool, he has touchdown upside. They do design specific plays for him, especially in the red zone. Sometimes he rushes. Sometimes they set him up like diamond formation, the Holy Cross, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And Juju, he's... I don't really know how I feel about him. He's been slipping a lot in mock drafts. He's pretty solid, but I wouldn't put too many eggs in the basket. Yeah, and as we've seen from, just from last year and even the year before,
1: Deontay Johnson as a rookie was the most targeted rookie wide receiver Right. with Mason Rudolph, and then the next year we have Big Ben playing with him, so we get to see both quarterbacks potentially of the future, Mason Rudolph and Big Ben. You saw that he targeted him a ton over 100 times, so he's not afraid to target it to him. Right. So I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the odd man out in this receiving core, especially for the future since he
0: doesn't have a long-term deal. And that's what I was going to say, but I think Ben, you touched on it, we've seen Chase Claypool explode in games. So I, I think you hit it right on the head. Ben's not afraid to throw any of them. Yeah,
2: I think a good thing about Pat Frymuth to wrap it all up is when Eric Abron is gone, he could absorb those targets that Juju leaves if he does leave next year as well. He is a very dominant receiver, and he could definitely do stuff with those targets that come up.
1: Yeah, and he's not a guy that relies on a ton of targets. He saw in college, his first year he had 26 receptions, next year 43, and the next 23 while he was hurt, he had 23 the last year.
0: Wow. The the funny thing, we've talked about this, and, and don't sleep on this, it doesn't matter who plays wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tom is doing a great job. We all know he played uh, wide receiver at the College of William & Mary, albeit he wasn't pro-caliber skill. He's a pro-caliber coach, obviously, and he turns everyone into restaurant-quality wide receiver. So the next guy up is always a good option in Pittsburgh. All right, moving down the list, Hunter Long from Boston College was drafted in the third round with the 81st pick overall. He now plays for the Miami Dolphins. Let's talk a little bit about him and his impact for this team. I really like Hunter Long coming from
2: Boston College. He was really efficient last year, and I think he's more of a possession tight end, so like third and short, short games, short yardage plays, red zone plays. I think he's a very reliable tight end that you can throw when you need him to catch the ball.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's not a big touchdown scorer, but he he did have 18.6 yards per catch over his three years at Boston College. And as you said, he's a safe, reliable target, and he kind of reminds me like a, a Jason Witten type player. While you can't project a rookie to be a Hall of fame as right. a player. You can't
2: you can't guess success. He, he plays like him. He's,
1: he's a very reliable target that you can dump off or give to whenever, and I, obviously very efficient with 18.6.
2: Yeah, and I, when I was watching him in college, he reminded me a lot of Zach Ertz on how he's kind of that security blanket yeah. in the middle of the field. Third yeah. and short, you need those three yards. He's right there in the middle of the field. Which I'm curious to see because I thought Mike Gusecki was a guy like
1: that, and then he went to Miami in the last two years right? at the same team, and he has improved his game a ton. So I'm interested sure. to see how Hunter Long can improve his game, already being a very successful player. Okay, so
0: that brings up my next question. Is if you have Mike Gusecki and you went after Hunter Long, I mean, you have, are, are you going to be running a 2 tight end set a lot? And do you really need those two? Is that the best option for their pick?
1: Yeah, I think you'll definitely see Mike Gusecki and Hunter Long. You might see other guys like Mac Hollins or whoever else. They, they did a transaction today for another veteran tight end. But I think you wow. will see majority 2 tight end two tight end set. sets and I think it's interesting to add that Mike Gusecki's
2: contract is up after this season okay yeah and I think too he plays a lot like Russell Wilson and I think that he's especially with his injury in college he might be a little concerned so I think they're tailoring the offense more to have more blockers for him to give him more pocket right and he's gonna use those dink and dunks little short throws and he's very effective very accurate so it's gonna be great to kind of help him with what he's good at
0: and coach comes out of the Bill Belichick scheme system, so maybe with Gusecki, this is an example of Belichickism, where he's clearly gotten the chance to clean house and build this team. Is he going to let a veteran like this go instead of paying him, like Belichick has famously done in the past sometimes, and then go with you know Hunter Long as a long term? I say long term under his rookie contract, three or four year option, because Belichick has made a living doing that. I think it certainly makes the tight end position more expendable.
1: I mean, if you if they stuck with Mike Gesicki this year and he improved from last year, you'd be have you'd have to pay him a ton of money off the free agent market. And I think that Hunter Long makes this a obviously a more even offense, more balanced offense. We said with Pittsburgh as we get another tight end. As they were rolling out Durham Smythe and Mac Hollins, who was a former receiver. So they get two reliable tight ends now.
0: Yeah, and we were famously wondering what in the world Pittsburgh was doing in terms of not having a running game, not having a super super solid tight end. Now suddenly they've shored themselves up seemingly overnight. And this team, the Dolphins, with a young quarterback, have some veteran receivers. Let's talk about their depth chart. Who is their clear one, two, three? How is this going to line out for the rest of the depth chart for Miami?
2: Yeah, like how we said in recent podcasts, I think Will Fuller is going to be the one starting, and then Devontae will be on the other side of him. He's been there a couple of years, Devontae Parker. They just got Jalen Waddell. I think eventually he will take Devontae Parker's spot on the outside, but right now he's in their slot. We'll see how that shakes out. And I think Mike Gusecki is definitely their starting tight end. However that works out, they run two tight end sets. Hunter Long will definitely be in there, too. I think they drafted him to have them both on the field at the same time, though.
1: Yeah, and I think the future of the team is certainly confusing. Devontae Parker's yeah. getting paid quite a bit of right. money because he was the only receiver on the team for quite some time as yeah. well. So you have Devontae Parker in a couple of years. He probably won't be on the team because of his age. And then you look at Jalen Waddle. Will Fuller's on a short-term deal, and Mike Gusecki needs to get paid. So okay. the only players that are paid are Tua, obviously, on his rookie contract and many uh, many players on the offensive line, two of them being rookie or second year players. So, right. the offensive line of two are locked up as well as Waddle, but nothing else as of now.
0: Yeah, and we famously talked about uh, here in our household, at least talked about over the past couple of years, I think this was good for young football fans to watch because as much as we joke about the Dolphins were tanking for Tua, the reality was they had a lot of long-term, high-dollar, skill position players being paid a lot of money. And over the last couple of years, they've done a fantastic job, in my opinion, of at least putting themselves. And like Josh said, you can't you can't predict success. You you, you can look at a player and think he's going to be successful, but you can't guarantee it. They've done a really good job. Wouldn't you agree at cleaning out cleaning house and ultimately putting a, you know, a playoff bound team in just a few years? I think that's commendable for sure. Yep. All right. We're going to continue to move on. Um, Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame. Was drafted the third round, 83rd pick overall to the Carolina Panthers, who I believe really needed to draft this kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially for a struggling quarterback
1: like Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. You get a guy like Christian McCaffrey you can dump the ball off to whenever he needs to. He's had 100 targets, 100 receptions in a couple of seasons. You get him another receiver, big target in Terrence Marshall. You team him up with Robbie Anderson, who he's played with before. D.J. Moore has been very solid, very productive receiver. And then as well as... Tommy Tremble, very athletic tight end, as well as probably the number one blocking tight end slash fullback you could put in the backfield out of this entire draft class.
2: Yeah, I like him going here, especially with Sam Darnold, and they've only had... They've kind of been subpar since Greg Olson left at tight end, and they got Dan Arnold this past year, Mm -hmm. this offseason, but he's more of a receiver. He's not really that, that... Typical tight end that just stands there and blocks. And Tommy Trimble is definitely that. He's one of the best, like Josh said, in college at blocking. And they could put him in the backfield and help McCaffrey with blocking. So he's he's really good for this team, and I really like it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that was something for me looking at the step chart just in the offseason. I, originally, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, we talked about this draft going, okay, there's a few tight ends out there. But now seeing where they've landed, at least these uh, top four we've mentioned, we're going to mention one more in the top five, They've they're all pretty solid the top 5 tight ends.
1: Yeah, and the reason we keep saying blocking tight end is because his 3 years at Notre Dame, he started two of those seasons and then over those two seasons he had 180 yards and 200 yards. So while he got thrown the ball very few times, he was very productive on those plays, having over around 12 yards per catch and scoring a couple of touchdowns, but what you're looking at here is mostly a blocking player.
0: Yeah, and let's let's just qualify this because we want, you know, again, if you're new to the game of football or if you're fantasy only, you probably don't care how much someone blocks because there's not a stat for that, you know, so to speak. But the important thing about this is we understand that all wide receivers are going to get jammed. We understand that all wide receivers are going to also have to block, you know, for, based on the, the, uh, the play that's called. But for the tight end, keep in mind, uh, if, again, if you're new to football or just trying to figure it out, they help to anchor that line. They help to anchor the running game. And it's important in most games that you can block, and it's certainly a blessing if you can catch like a wide receiver. So we're not delusional about about these things. We just want to make sure we're clear when we ask these type of questions.
2: Yeah, one thing I want to add is Tommy Trimble reminds me a lot of Drew Sample. He's a blocking tight end for the Bengals, and mostly what he does is block, and he's really good at it, and right. I, I compare him to him a lot.
1: Yeah, and when you look at, as we've talked about, Tommy Tremble being a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. The Carolina Panthers have been wanting to get a receiving tight end because Ian Thomas last year did not work out for them. Right. So they did get Dan Arnold, as we brought up before. But when you look at him and this offense, Joe Brady was a coordinator for the Saints, mm-hmm. where Dan Arnold originally came from, and he coached Dan Arnold, which I think is
0: just interesting to bring up for this receiving core on this team. Yeah, and I mean, I guess my point with me always bringing up, but can they block? is if you're a wide receiver and you don't get off the line well, that's a liability, even though you can run good routes and have good hands. Or let's say you get off the line well and you don't get jammed, but you don't have good hands. I mean, you know, when we're talking about complete players here, and this is the non-fantasy part of the game that we love, the chess match, so to speak, that we love. So Trey McKitty from Georgia, uh, he was drafted in the third round, 97th overall, to the Los Angeles Chargers. And forgive me, I slept on this for a second because I didn't realize that he went to the, chargers where my boy is now the young quarterback who's going to absolutely use this kid to death and i got very excited i'm not a chargers fan for the record but i really love what they're doing there with their young quarterback so let's talk about trey what do you guys got for me
2: yeah trey mckitty i like him a lot he's a four-year college player he played three years at florida state got his license he's a pilot which is interesting he transferred to georgia's last year the only concern with him that i think is he only played 25 games in his four-year career And he really didn't get that many opportunities. He only had 56 catches. But I think the Chargers really like his athleticism and his personality, and I think that's really good, and he's really coachable. So I think he's going to be really efficient with Justin Herbert after this year because they did sign Jared Cook in the offseason. And Jared Cook, as we know the past decade almost, has been really efficient. I think they're going to try and get what they can out of him and especially have Jared coach Trey McKitty, which will help them out a lot. But I like the pick. Yeah, and then you look at the offense, Joe
1: Lombardi. The reason that they brought in Jared Cook is because he was the Saints offensive coordinator. Now he's the offensive coordinator for this young quarterback, as well as Keenan Allen. But then Jared Cook, he's, he's going to be getting targeted a lot in this offense with er, with Lombardi because that's what they have done in the past, which sure. I think projects well for Trey McKitty being a very efficient player coming out of college. As you look in one season, he had 18 yards per catch, and in another season, he had 23. So he, he was very limited as a receiver just because of what or how many targets were thrown to him? Sure. And as you look at the Florida State offense, they are, they're not a great passing team by any stretch of imagination or a great team overall anyways. Right. So right. I think Jared Cook and what the offense is projects well for what Trey McKitty could be. Well said,
0: well said. Yeah, and, and keep in mind also, again, just just talking football side, not so much fantasy. There's lots and lots of wide receivers coming out. So you're going to have, at least if you just look at the depth chart, you're going to see three wide receivers and one tight end on a depth chart. That means there's a 3-1, to and that tends to be that way in the draft. So when we say this is a pretty deep draft for tight ends, the top five, that's rare to find five guys that are all likely starters or could be on their squad. Yeah, and to to talk about the team more, you look at Keenan
1: Allen. He got extended to a longer deal last year. He's going to be on this team more than likely until he retires. Yeah. Then you have Mike Williams, who's coming up on a contract year, and Josh Palmer, who they drafted, I believe, in the third round, who I don't I don't think he's the most talented guy, but I think he fits a Mike Williams-type role once Mike
0: Williams is out of town. Yeah, I would agree. So we've mentioned the ones that were drafted. Now we're going to do a little, something a little different, because again, I, I was setting up before Josh added that last comment, that we have tons and tons of receivers. It's easy to talk about, speculate, guess what receivers may or may not do, and impact much more difficult with the amount of tight ends that get picked so rather than diving in the order and where they went and all this we're just going to play a little game of popcorn i'm going to throw up four receivers you guys jump on or tight ends excuse me you guys jump on them as as you see fit four guys that are notable that should make an impact on their given teams that's going to be noah gray who went to the kansas city chiefs zach davidson who went to minnesota kylan granson went to indianapolis and brevin jordan who went to houston now I don't care which one of you, jump on one, tell me about these guys. Why are they impactful? Pick one and go.
2: I'm going to pick Kylan Granson. He's one of my favorite players in the draft, so I'm kind of biased. <laughs> Frank Reich, I think they drafted him late third, mm-hmm. early fourth. I don't remember which, but they got him pretty early in the draft considering fourth, yeah. how many tight ends were under him. I think they drafted him over Brevin Jordan, which is kind of crazy because everyone liked Brevin Jordan more than him before. But anyway, Kylan Granson is a freak athlete. He's great. He's 6'1", 240. He played at SMU. He played at Rice before for two years and transferred to SMU and kind of broke out in 2019.
0: All he, right, back up. Before you get too deep in con, I was going to ask yeah. you about Brevin Jordan because you really uh, like this kid. I do. Strengths and weaknesses. As a route runner, as a blocker, uh, hands, three categories. Tell me what you what you like and don't like. Brevin Jordan. Yeah, he's 6'3", 245.
2: He reminds me a lot of Evan Ingram okay. and how his athleticism is. He's very athletic. He has great hands. He's a great tight end. He blocks okay. He's not the best blocker. He's more of a receiver, in my opinion. But he went to Houston, which is not beautiful at all.
1: Yeah, and as you started out by saying, Kylan Granson, he proved, at least in testing, that he was a better athlete. And when you watch him on the field, he's very explosive. And I think Brevin Jordan, what knocked him down further and further was his athleticism testing, which was not exactly what people thought. They thought he'd be one of the highest testing tight ends in this draft, right behind even Kyle Pitts. But he ran a 4.7, I believe, at his combine.
2: Yeah, I think it was a 4.62, and he was really upset about that. And I think the combines, you can't put all your eggs in that basket. I know sure, I said that yeah. twice this podcast, that analogy. But when I think it's different in a game when you have people chasing you, you have the ball in your hand, right, and your adrenaline's right. going. You definitely run faster than what you do in shorts in front of all your coaches, and you're nervous, especially this year with the situations that happened with COVID and all that, you weren't in the same scenarios that everyone's always been. I, yeah. I wouldn't put too many too much thought into that 40 time but i think Jordan Jordan's great it depends on how the Houston Texans manage their team really i mean people it looks like right now people are going to go there to die cuz their team looks yeah, miserable the dumpster fire yeah,
1: but what's what's good for him is at least he's 21 years old he's a young player young prospect coming into this team and the team's been raving about him luckily that he's a good solid tight end as well as they only have Jordan Aiken's there who doesn't really have a expensive contract with this team yeah he's older so i think Revan Jordan, learning behind Aikens in this offense, as well as with players like Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, a lot of veterans, Chris Conley, a lot of veterans on this offense, and I think that he can learn a lot on this team as a young player.
0: Okay. Well you mentioned Kylan Granson. Don't let me Don't keep the train rolling, but let's talk about the, the three and let's give me an idea of where he kinda ranks in these things and how he can help that team.
2: I think he's a solid route runner. Um his hands, his that was one of his knocks coming out is in his big his worst game in college was one of their knocks is he had like six drops, which mm-hmm. is miserable. But I think hands are something you can easily coach out and blocking, he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the draft.
1: Yeah, I th- I think Kylan Granson reminds me a lot of Jacob Hollister. I think he's just a very solid all-around player. He's going to be getting snaps on the offense because of that blocking ability, but when you give him the ball, he's very explosive, and he can have a lot of splash plays, splash touchdowns in the red zone deep down the field, anywhere on the field, just like Jacob Hollister was with the Seahawks.
0: Okay, now with the Texans, dumpster fire who knows what their coach GM who knows what anybody's doing there so we can't speculate other than we think this kid could make an impact if they use him proper but what about the Colts are they going to use Granson right away I mean uh, talk about their tight end situation there
2: yeah I think they're going to use him right away they do Frank Reich in every system he's run he's loved using two tight ends I mean they do have Mo Alley Cox I believe is under contract for two more years Mm -hmm. and they have Jack Doyle who's been real solid for them, but there are some injury concerns. I think they got Kylan Granson to shore up that position, and he's definitely going to be in their rotation.
1: Yeah, and I think Jack Doyle and what's his name? Second tight end on the team? Big Mac, Mo Allen, no, 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 no. Burton. I think, I think oh, Jack, Trey Burton. Yeah. Jack Doyle and Burton, their contracts aren't going to be with the team that much longer, but they are getting paid quite some money.
2: Trey Burton left mm Okay, is that Not one more sure. year. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I, I think those are the two tight ends going to be starting for this team right now. Okay. And I think you can be looking forward to um, at least Mo'Ally Cox attempting to break out more in his career as he became an NFL player later in his career after college basketball. Okay. So I think the future of this team, at least contract-wise and age-wise, what we're seeing of right now, I think Jack Doyle and Trey Burton might start this year, be the two players out there, get Mo'Ally and Kylan Granson started on occasional plays. But I think after their contracts are up, you will see Kylan Granson and Mo Alley-Cox if Cox re-signs after this
2: tag. Okay. Yeah, one thing I want to add before we kind of went to Brevin Jordan. he In two years at SMU, he had over 1,200 yards, averaged 16 yards a catch, and had 14 touchdowns, which is pretty impressive for a tight end. Yeah, and the most encouraging thing, at least for
1: Kylan Granson, is this is Frank Reich's favorite player. This is the guy <laughs> that he wanted. This is the guy that he rooted for. So. You might you, know, you might be surprised that he got drafted over a guy like Brevin Jordan, but this is a guy that they really, really wanted. As we saw last year with Michael Pittman, top of the second round, he was drafted because they really, really wanted him as well. So I think he will get playing time eventually, and he will be their eventual starter.
2: Yeah, and they also signed him already, and he has a lot of guarantees in his contract. So that's a good sign of playing time if you're going to sign him and guarantee their money that fast.
0: Wow. Before we can even talk about Zach Davidson, uh, one of his pictures, I can't decide if his playbook is down like a fanny pack or if he's actually wearing a fanny pack, (laughs) because it looks really awkward um, that he's running around the field with a fanny pack, air quotes. So Zach
1: Davidson, he's one of my favorite late round players from this year. You might not have heard of him, but he's a fifth round player, and you might not have heard of him because he's a D2 prospect. Right. He's one of the three D2 players to come out of this draft, and he was from Central Missouri. He's a six foot seven, two hundred forty five. He runs way. a four six forty, which might be surprising for his size. <laughs> he has a big frame, but what the most surprising thing—if you weren't surprised by second round player, his size, his speed—he was drafted into college as a punter. You <laughs> mean <He, laughs> a fifth round six punter. seven punter? He, he he no, he got drafted out of high school as a punter, and he punted for uh, this team for I think he, he punted even while he was playing tight end, averaging over forty five yards a punt. So if If Minnesota needs a punter, he might be that guy. (laughs) But as a tight end, he played one year. He had 40 catches, 900 yards, and 15 touchdowns. So 22.35 yards per catch. Super efficient player in his one year. Very raw player. Obviously has the size, the speed, everything that you want, coming from a D2 school as well as a prospect. But they drafted him over guys like – or right behind guys like Brevin Jordan.
2: Yeah, I think it's an, interest, an interesting, I can't say that word today, an interesting pick for Minnesota because their special teams has been really bad as of late, and they got Amir Smith-Marset and Kine nguyen who can both run back punts sufficiently, and then now they got this guy who could be give them another option at fake punts or punts or all this other stuff. It's pretty interesting to see. And I think the most interesting thing for the tight end
1: room, at least, being drafted as a tight end, obviously only playing one year as a tight end and being drafted as a punter, But he got drafted into the NFL as a tight end in the fifth round, which most people think that D2 players aren't even draftable. They're kind of pick-up players that you test. But he's going to be in this tight end room with tight ends that are not as athletic as him other than Irv Smith. So you have Irv Smith and Davidson, obviously Davidson being the bigger target, maybe a Kyle Rudolph-type replacement because Conklin and the other player I believe that they have is from Iowa State who played behind Charlie Kohler. He's a backup tight end in this league. And I think I think Davidson just, I think he has an open opportunity to be the tight end, too. Being such a raw player, they obviously showed that they wanted him drafting him in the fifth round, which he could have easily gone undrafted, mm. or in the seventh round, as we saw with Mike Strawn. So I think that they, they're showing their how devoted they are to him, and they're playing him
0: immediately in practices right now with mm. Kellen Mond and the second team. What's interesting is uh, I love his size, I love his speed. Like you mentioned, I love his athleticism. What I question is, for a team that doesn't know what to do with Kirk Cousins, are they actually going to know what to do with this kid, or did they waste a pick?
1: Well, I think that's interesting that you bring that up. If they're planning to move on with Kirk Cousins, this guy's been playing with Kellen Mond for weeks now. So, okay. he's getting that chemistry, he's getting playing time with the second team, and I think that's, that shows a lot, especially for a backup tight end immediately playing that receiving role, catching touchdowns and practices over other guys that have been there longer.
0: Okay. Under the category of uh, what are they going to do with him, Noah Gray going to Kansas City, is it because we have a Kelsey who's getting older? I know he's not out of his prime, necessarily. And, you know, tight ends can kind of hang on for a long time. Um, Noah Gray going to Kansas City. Talk about him. Why are you guys excited about him?
2: Um, I think he's going to be good, especially Andy Reid can make anybody good, I feel like. Amen. I don't think it's anything to do with Travis. I think they just need some depth at the position. and He was in their laps in the draft. Yeah. He's, he's from Duke. I like him. Enough. I don't really uh, care for him that much, but him being with Andy Reid really boosted stocks up for me.
1: Yeah, in, co- in comparison to the other tight ends drafted in this class, he is a shorter tight end compared to those guys. He's six three, two hundred forty pounds. He's smaller in comparison to those guys. But right. I think what Gradham drafted is his athleticism. He okay. showed impressive athleticism across the board. He ran a a low four six, meaning almost four five. He's super super a super great athlete. He wasn't he didn't get a ton of targets at Duke. He had over Five targets one year, 22, and then the next year he had 72, and he showcased what he was able to do, but he did not score a ton of touchdowns. So I think when you're looking at what he provides to this offense, as you started out by saying, I think he is an athletic depth piece that can throw the defense off guard.
0: Okay, so let me think here. Let me say back what I think we heard. Brevin Jordan, Kylan Granson excellent prospects if they're sitting out there for free at this point in a fantasy league might be good to take, especially in a dynasty league for future in case they actually do get to turn up. Cause with the uh, Texans, we don't have a clue the dumpster fire of the year so far. At least that's my vote. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Colts could in fact incorporate Granson soon. So those two guys, good prospects. Zach Davidson, Noah Gray, athletic, physical, smart players have a chance to develop into the position and I would argue Andy Reid makes Noah Gray more of a viable concept than Zach Davison in my book, because I just think the coaching staff in Minnesota is terrible. But.
1: Yeah, I like the coaching staff in Canton City more, obviously, but I think Noah Gray has the lowest upside of these four guys we're okay. talking about, especially when you look at they've had other athletic tight ends in their number two position, like Ricky Seals-Jones and other guys in the future, but they, they've never have really touched the field. So I think Travis Kelsey hogs up all the targets, all the sure. playing time on that right. team especially. So his future... With this team might be solid after his rookie contract. I think Travis Kelsey will be here for as long as his rookie contract lasts. So I don't think right. you'll see a ton of out of Noah Gray, especially in the receiving game, as he yeah. didn't do a lot in college And yeah. that. But I think Zach Davidson is extremely, extremely great pick for them in the fifth round because of what he provides. And what and being, he could become. And probably being one of the most raw prospects in the entire draft, being a punter. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's definitely you had me at six seven, bro. That's a that's a monster. That's a big target. <laughs> six too. seven four six forty. 6'40". <laughs> I'll never forget. Um, Bruce Smith is from our area, so I, I got to see Bruce Smith in his prime, Super Bowl era. He would always do a celebrity softball tournament, and these guys come out and they just they're in heavy clothes and they're not like into it. But he got he hit one like he got a dinger and he took off. So I'm watching a six foot something closer to three hundred foot man. With 300 wor- pound. Yeah, with world class <laughs> speed, take off to first base. And I remember grabbing my wife like, Holy crap, nothing that big should move that fast. Yep. But uh oh my gosh, six seven and a four six is uh I, mean, I don't want to get hit by that. I mean, who who have you seen that's been
1: a a D two or lower prospect or someone that hasn't been productive at the yeah. position in college and they just show up in the NFL and be an elite type player? Yeah. That's I, athleticism I mean, does matter. Which of the top tight ends were top prospects. You look at Travis Kelsey, who was a third-round, fourth-round pick. He didn't even play his first year. And then you look at George Kittle. He was mostly a blocker, and he developed a ton his rookie year to even be one of the best receivers in the league immediately for some reason. And you look at Darren Waller, who was not in the league for several years and then on a practice squad up until 27 years old. So who knows?
0: That's right. Prospects are important. So good. Well, this has been good, guys. I do want to share with everyone who is listening that we are – by popular demand, now going to be opening up a marketplace in the week to comes where you can get your own Guys Without Helmet swag. We appreciate everyone who's been asking where they can get clothing and apparel that with our logo and brand. And, you know, as we mentioned, we've said all along that we believe that you don't have to be a sports analyst or a retired player, you know, to love football and to talk about football. So we appreciate that you guys are listening to us and And as always, um, we want you guys to know that we do have that Instagram available, that um, we are posting late-breaking news as it drops. So make sure we're your source for late-breaking news. If you're interested in getting them as they drop, the news will be there on our Instagram. Also, we want to remind you guys to share our podcast. We really do appreciate it. Also, please take a moment, give us a five-star rating. It really does help other people find us out there in podcast land, and we would love for you guys to do that. Finally, we do produce a weekly video. Of this podcast, it's available on YouTube, so check that out as well. And as always, we thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.